0: Your Life, Your Planet, an Australian geographic publication, is a book, and I've had a look at this book. It's it's so user-friendly. It's about small individual actions that people can do to reduce their environmental impact, and it's something that Helen Andrew of Spare Harvest Fame brought to our attention. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Sheridan. Oops, here we go. An extra microphone because we have a special guest with we us. We do.
1: We do. So Your Planet, Your Life, I was... Um Fortunate enough to be invited by the author, who I'll introduce shortly, to actually contribute to on when I through Spare Harvest. So, Spare Harvest is all about sharing the spare, and obviously, that's one of the individual things that people can do. And we talk about it often about how individual actions collectively can make a huge difference. So, really, really grateful to actually share a bit of Spare Harvest through this book. And so, uh, Jeff invited me to actually contribute to the book, and, um, and it's amazing. The book is amazing. As you said, it's got individual actions, which aligns with our messaging of Spare Harvest that everyone can do. And I've brought
0: Jeff into the studio with us, so uh, welcome, Jeff.
2: Thank you, Helen.
0: And uh, no stranger to radio, I believe. You've got your own program.
2: I do uh, community radio, so I'm supporting the eco-radio team on 4 Z in Brisbane, Sheridan. Uh-huh.
0: Ah, excellent. So uh, this is a familiar, comfortable environment for you. You've also um, edited and published a, a really big range of um, business and environmental books. So I imagine that um, that's something that people are really familiar with. Um, the Generator News?
2: Yes, that started in Bay FM on uh yeah, That's the New South Wales Bay FM in Byron Bay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was a two-hour, nine o'clock Monday morning show. Um, it ran for about eight years and covered um, environmental issues with a special focus on how we're going to live in a post-carbon world.
0: Yes. Uh, th- it's a, a curious question that many people are, um, uh, you yeah, a little concerned about a little anxious about wondering what it's going to cost us to make that transition jeff tell us a little bit uh, about your motivation like what really drove you to put this particular book your life your planet together
2: well i think we do have to make plans for how we're going to live no matter what happens and what we saw last year with covid shutting down so much of our economy is that we're quite vulnerable in lots of ways to external events. And when we look at the way we have mishandled uh, the problem of carbon dioxide, increasing the temperature of the globe and making wild weather, that you know means anything can happen, it's a bit hard to rely on our leaders to lead us to a place of safety. So we have to take action in our own hands.
0: And of course, we often feel, you know, in the face of all of that, that anything we do is insignificant. And that's something that this book addresses, that the the little changes we all make, if they will add up somehow.
2: Yes. I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in politics and so on, trying to make those big changes at the top end. But what I've really learned is that it's what we do in our community and in our homes that A, they're the things that we have control over, and B, they really are ways that we can make a difference. Mm. So, um, you know, Helen talking about spare harvest and sharing what you have spare goes hand in hand with the idea that we can turn our homes into hubs of production instead of nodes of consumption. So instead of going out and buying things and bringing them home, unwrapping them, throwing away the packaging and munching down whatever was inside, if we start to make things ourselves, then we have things that we can share. And so we're reducing our consumption, we're building our community, we're building our skills, and those are all long-term projects. So the simple act of making food and sharing it is the basis of a lot of uh, mm. community. And not
0: wasting it, because often when we don't have enough people in our lives, um, we end up throwing out a fair bit. So so my partner's, um, I guess, a FIFO, for want of a better word, um, working interstate. And so often it's more affordable, and this is something that I've had to really navigate, it's more affordable to buy something in this huge volume that there's no way I can eat myself before it goes off than it is, you know, and particularly with things that salad greens and things like that, that you can't freeze, um, you know. Uh, than it is to, you know, you you can't buy a quarter of a lettuce, for example. So um, the thing I really liked when I had a look at this book, and I think one of the reasons why Helen no doubt brought you in today, is it breaks it down into these, you know, really doable steps and addresses, like, almost everything.
1: It it does. It goes through the whole home. So it goes from your kitchen to your bathroom to your garage to your bedroom, all the areas. And then what I really love about the book is the facts checking. And I know, Jeff, you spent quite a lot of time and effort making sure that you gave very accurate facts for people to work
2: with. And it was a huge challenge too, Helen. The um, When you jump on a website and just take a headline figure like how much water Australians consume, if you just Google how much water do Australians consume, it'll come up with 100 kilolitres a year. But if you actually look at the figures produced by or collected and collated by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, it was 100 litres a year in 2008, and no one has really bothered to update that. And so currently, well, currently, the 2018 figures, which I used for this book, because they're the ones that were published at the time, it's 73 kilolitres a year, which is quite a different number. It's three quarters of that headline figure. So when we get something as basic as that, Wrong, and we can't rely on Google or whatever to uh, tell us that. We actually need to have some way yes. of checking that. So we went to a lot of trouble. I had someone who helped me do that fact-checking. It's way beyond <laughs> what one person It's a bit could of do. research, yep. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think about how much... Um, water does my shower use? During drought restrictions, we were showering with a bucket to make sure that we collected every you know, litre of water that we could to put on our gardens, gardens or whatever else we wanted to use it. How much difference does that really make?
0: And do we snap back to bad habits when the focus isn't there? So uh, I know that there was a significant move, um, particularly here on the Sunshine Coast, people with their keep cups and along comes COVID. Um, the first thing we wanted to do is get back into a cafe um, or buy a coffee. And initially you could get takeaway before you could you know, sit down and get a table. And you didn't want to take up a table if you were only having a coffee, but you also couldn't take your keep cup in. So back comes the cups, often um, recyclable, but not so much the plastic lids. So, you know, now that we're no longer in that situation or the restrictions aren't as um, restrictive. Intense. (laughs) Extra words. Yeah, aren't as intense. um, Can we go back, you know? this backwards and forwards thing where we have to sort of do a little bit of a dance with what's going on and what's what's being fed to us information wise it keeps changing
1: it does Uh, but ultimately it comes back to your individual actions and your individual value so I mean we all know keep cup works and yet there's still probably cafes out there who are still probably hesitant to actually introduce keep cups I know some um, cafes don't take them because their dishwasher can't wash at that 100 degree situation or something like that so they they have their own internal pressures that they have to work with but it doesn't stop us from asking our external providers can we have that in a reusable cup can we take our takeaway back in one of our own uh, takeaway containers that we get in here i was just flicking through jeff's book and just in the kitchen it says here one of the hard facts australians throw out ten thousand tons of plastic a day that's 400 grams each so every single one of us is contributing 400 grams of plastic to landfill and into our environment. So when you start looking at some of the hard facts that Jeff's got in this book, it's a
0: bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, I, I love the um, the focus on the hub of production, which is the kitchen. And that is where we, you know, waste a lot. We need to think about what we're doing. And it connects to what I was saying before with community too, that um, that we need to share in order to actually utilise everything we grow. What are some of the the really simple tips that you can offer us, Jeff, if we're still kind of feeling our way when it comes to things like food waste, plastics, damaging the planet, but kind of feel like it's convenient, perhaps?
2: Well, I think of a pyramid where if you can grow your own, that's the ultimate... Top of the tree. That's top of the tree, yes. To... Absolutely. <laughs> um, not all of us are gardeners or not all of us have access to a garden. And so... The next best thing is to make your own food from raw ingredients, as basic ingredients as you can get. And then if you um, can't do that, the uh, most important thing is sharing. So if you can share what you have, that's reducing your waste and it is helping you build the community. And I think the key thing is that... The challenge for a lot of what we might call sustainable actions is time. I don't have time to do that. It's the yes, most common that challenge. This is going we to have. be
0: my next question. So, nice segue there, slightly psychic, Jeff.
2: So, if we are making one loaf of bread, for example, it really doesn't take any more time to make two or three loaves of bread. The time involved in making the loaf of bread is putting all the ingredients together however you're going to need them, whether that's in a machine or by hand. And then there's a lot of waiting. You're waiting and waiting Mm. for it to rise. So people who make bread regularly have a schedule. They put the basic dough together in the morning, they go off to work, they come home, they bash it down for its second rise and then before they go to bed they put it in their oven which has an automatic timer to turn it off for example that might be your bread strategy how much difference does it involve to make three loaves of bread instead of one and then you can give the other two to your neighbours and so we start to uh, by using our time more effectively we start to reduce the amount of time that some of these activities take because, in exchange for those two loaves of bread, someone is going to give you their quiche or mm,
1: lasagna. Mm. And, and I think. Now you're that make
2: me hungry.
0: <laughs> this is the wrong time of day to talk about food.
1: <laughs> but I mean, um, uh, food, we've always talked about food on our segments because it's, it's very close to my heart. Wasting food is just an abomination for people when we know there's so many people who are starving. But also, time, um, one of the. Um, tips that Jeff's got here in the kitchen is, and I think we've talked about this before, Sharon, is just fill the kettle up for the cup of tea that you need, not the full
0: kettle. That's, you know, you're going to use a cup, then it goes cold, then you boil it again. Exactly, so,
1: exactly. So it's
0: really um, rethinking how we view convenience and time. We've been told, you know, good on your mum, cook this, it only takes two seconds, or buy that and get it out of a jar or out of a can. My argument would be, you know, you can you know, make those meals just as quickly and get much better value and much better nutrition by making it from scratch. But we've been fed through advertising beliefs that it's hard, it's inconvenient, it's difficult. We want to drive through and just grab it.
2: Well, when we think about the snapback from COVID, what we learned, we had time during lockdown to actually spend yes. that time in our backyards and our home. And that's one of the reasons that supermarket shelves were emptied of basic foodstuffs like flour and sugar. And we have gone back very quickly to rushing off to work. The freeways are humming and busy, and road rage is back in full swing again. So it's very easy to fall into that trap of thinking that. The answer to um, not having enough time is to rush everywhere and go to the drive through uh, clinic or coffee shop or whatever. But if we get out of our cars, if we actually walk, we end up doing a number of things at once. We socialise with the people in our street, we get our exercise and we start to... um, exchange cuttings for plants or food that we've cooked or whatever and so it's a completely different idea of multitasking there's no bigger waste of time than sitting in peak hour traffic um, watching other people's car fumes rise into the atmosphere (laughs) too true
0: too true the book we're talking about is your life your planet where can we get it where do we find it
1: so I've got a link on Spare Harvest Facebook page to um, Fish Pond, so you can order it online. Uh, but Jeff has actually got some signed copies at...
2: Uh, Harry Hartog's here in Maroochydaw. In the plaza. Thank you both so much for
0: coming in. And, of course, if you want more details, you type Jeff into your search engine. So it's Jeff with f, and the surname is spelt bs And, of course, Helen will be back with us next week or, or the week after, soon. Soon, shortly. <laughs> it is twenty to eleven. Jeff, Helen, thank you both so much for being with us this morning. Thanks, thank Sheridan. you, Sheridan.